0: The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. A good buddy of mine recently told me a story, uh, a rescue story, that I was so enamored by that I had to do, uh, look into it a little bit more. And as I looked into the story, I mean, it really captured my attention. Good chance that you've not only heard of the story, maybe even followed it in the news while it was happening a number of years ago. But I just want to remind you of the story or share it with you for the first time. It's the story of, uh, it took place in Thailand, of a soccer team. It's a group of uh, 12 boys and their coach. They were supposed to have soccer practice uh, or a soccer game. And one of the members of this team, uh, he went by the nickname Knight, he was having a birthday party. And so after the uh, soccer practice, the boys were hanging out in preparation for the birthday party and knight's family his grandparents his parents his whole family had gathered they had decorated the house they had some presents for him they had a cake for him and they were waiting not just for Knight but the whole soccer team all of his friends uh to show up and um time came for the party and they're still not back yet and they kept waiting and kept waiting and finally they started to get nervous they contacted the other parents and sure enough all the parents said the same thing. No, we haven't seen any of the 12 boys. And they actually hadn't heard from that the young adult, 25-year-old assistant coach either. They had all disappeared. And it was uh, this was Saturday, June 23rd, that this happened in 2018. They started to get more and more nervous, and they started looking around. They went to all the places that the boys would hang out. And one of the places that they would hang out in this mountainous area in, um, in Thailand was this series of caves. It was this winding network of caves that tourists would go in and these boys would go in all the time. In fact, the whole soccer team would go in there for, um, for like initiation rites. would go in there and write their names on the wall and everything like that. And so... One of the parents thought, maybe they went down into the caves. I hope they didn't, because right about this time of year, in the next few days, the monsoons start. And when the monsoons start, so much rain dumps down that it fills the caves, and it's no longer um, walking through the caves. It's diving through the caves, and it is extremely dangerous. And to make it worse, that afternoon, the monsoons had come a few days earlier. When they went down to the caves to their not really relief but horror they found all of the bicycles for the entire team at the mouth of the cave immediately they contacted the authorities the the, the government got involved they uh, brought all kinds of of their their navy their the Thai Navy SEALs came and they're trying to. They're wandering around as far into the caves. They kept going back into the caves, back into the caves, and sure enough, on one part of dry land in the cave, they found a bunch of their belongings, some sandals, some other things as they're wandering through the caves. But no sign of the boys. They go as far in as they can, and the Thai Navy SEALs come back out and say, "Look, I don't know what we're going to do. We know the boys are are in there, trapped somewhere, um, but we we don't have the expertise. We're dive experts, but we're not cave." diving experts and so the first day passed the second day and they started to get nervous here's what the here's a picture of the team I think we have a picture of what the team looked like here are the boys and now all their parents and much of the community gather at the mouth of this cave waiting and praying doing whatever they can to reach these boys trapped inside one of the first things they did is they got pumps. They tried to pump the water out, but the rains were coming down so much they couldn't pump the water fast enough out of there and the caves kept filling up and filling up. They'd dive in and they couldn't get far enough because the rising waters and the murky waters was zero, almost zero visibility. The pumps would start, the pumps would stop and day happened, another day happened, another day happened. More and more uh, countries start, started to get involved and as the, day, the week came to a close, their hope for finding these boys alive started to slip away. I mean, how could these boys still be alive somewhere in that cave? But much, a lot of activity was happening at the mouth of the cave. In fact, like an almost impromptu city was built right there at the the mouth of the cave because everyone in the community was looking for something to do to be a part of this rescue effort. They immediately, they had like people like making food and bringing um, all kinds of food for all the rescue workers. They had a local laundromat. They, she made it her business to wash all the volunteers' clothes as they were wandering through the caves and getting muddy. They'd wash the clothes, even a whole group said, we're gonna clean all the portable bathrooms here. Like everyone had to find something to do to be a part of this rescue mission. If they couldn't find something to do, at very least they were part of the prayer effort, waiting for these boys to be found. The week closed. Hope was slipping away. Parents were on the, going out of their minds. They went in the cave on Saturday. A week happened, still searching, still searching the next Saturday, still searching the next Sunday. And then on Monday, one of the divers, an expert cave diver from Britain, swam, had had gone all the way all, about two and a half miles into the cave, about a half mile underground, and this happened. Check this out. Here, yeah, let's see here. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. How, how many of you? No, 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 no. Thirteen? Yeah, there Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I have a I know that was a lot of fun now. Are we talking about something back no, no, no more. Okay. No. Backpack is me going inside. No, not today. Not today. There's two of us. You have to go. We are coming. It's okay. It's okay. Many people are coming. Many, many people. We are the first. Many people come. What, what day? What day? No, no, no. What day is it? No, I Monday. Monday. Okay, but one week and Monday. You have been here ten days. Ten days. You are very strong. Very strong. They had been in that cave going on ten days when they finally found them, and every last one of them was alive. News. Went around the world, people celebrating. They couldn't believe it. These they had found the boys, two and a half miles underground. As the floods had come in, they had retreated to safety, deeper and deeper in the caves, and were stranded. How they had survived. How they had how they had had enough oxygen. How they had survived without any food. How they had not panicked was a miracle. And the parents were uh, were just absolutely elated and relieved. But very quickly the experts told everyone everyone there please don't celebrate yet the hardest part is next how do we get these boys rescued see that was Monday and the rains kept coming the floods kept going up pumps would run and then pumps would break More and more experts were coming in, and they did not have a good solution on how do you pull 13 individuals out from this cave. And as they were swimming down, I mean, some parts of the cave were so narrow, you couldn't make it through with an air tank on. You had to take the air tank off. How do they get these boys? Some of these boys couldn't swim, let alone know how to dive, let alone they had had to fly in expert cave divers to do this. How are these boys going to get out? They thought maybe we could teach these boys to dive, and they started testing, um, teaching local boys how how to dive, and that wasn't going to work. They they said maybe we we can drill from the top, but they said that would take months and months drilling through a half mile of stone. All types of solutions. And they began to realize just how treacherous this was because on Friday, after the Monday they were found, one of the Thai Navy SEALs, On his way back out from from reaching the boys, his air tank ran out of air and he died on his way back out. And so if even these rescuers might not make it alive, how are these boys going to make it? Rains kept coming, rains kept coming. And finally on Sunday, let me get the date right. It It was Sunday, July 8th, 15 days later after they went into that cave. They sent 18 expert divers in. They put a mask on the first set of boys, sedated them, nearly unconscious. And 11 hours later, they had emerged with four of them. The first group saw these boys coming out with oxygen masks on, stretchers, not knowing if they were looking at a fatality or a survivor. And all four boys had survived. They rushed them to the hospital. following day, Monday, nine hours, four more boys brought to the surface. Four more boys had survived. Rushed them to the hospital. Now Tuesday, and at the, by the end of the day Tuesday, the final four boys and their coach were brought to the surface. And astonishingly, all thirteen had survived. Here's a picture of them in the in the hospital later. They stayed in the hospital making sure that they were um, they had no infections. unfortunately, um, they couldn't couldn't be hugged by their parents for a few days because they needed to make sure that they were that they were healthy. But I just want you to think about this for a second. The cost of rescuing these 13 lives, was amazing. I mean, not only six countries getting involved, people volunteering from all over the world, experts having to fly in, millions and millions of dollars were spent. But there's no question what the single greatest sacrifice was. And these boys knew it, even in the hospital. Check out this last picture. That's the picture of the Thai Navy SEAL, Saman, 38 years old, had volunteered his time to save these boys, and for them to be saved, he gave his life. Incredible rescue story. One of the greatest rescue stories of modern history. Unbelievable. Still remembered and will be remembered for many, many years. And you think about that, if you were a piece of that story, how your life would never, never be the same. If you were one of those boys and experienced that 15, 16, 17 days in that cave, then your life would never, never be the same. If you were part of the rescue effort, your life would never be the same. But here's what I want you to know. What I want you to know is that your story, and I don't need to know the details of your story, but what the Bible says is this is not really that much different than your story. Here's where I want to challenge you, and here's where the scripture challenges us. Where are you at in that story? Because if you don't know with crystal clarity, then you're missing out on the most important part of your life. I want to take you to another rescue story in the Bible. It's in the book of Daniel. Would you open the book of Daniel with me? It's Daniel. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 6. Let me give you the context here. The Persians are the superpower. They have recently overtaken Babylon. And there are, they have uh, the king at this time, his name is Darius. He is solidifying his infrastructure. He has a, a group of advisors that he is put all over the known world. They're called satraps. There's about 120 of them. There are three key satraps that then lead all of the other ones, and they're the best of the best of the best, and one of them is a Jewish man by the name of Daniel. He got taken from Jerusalem when it fell to Babylon, served under two Babylonian kings. Now the Persians have taken over the Babylonians. They kept the best and brightest um, of of those who served the, the Babylonian kings, and so now Daniel is one of the top advisors to the Persian king. And not only is he the top advisor, God's hand is on him. He's using him. And so he's rising through the ranks and it becomes very clear to everyone that Daniel is being groomed to be the second in command of all of Persia. The other satraps, by the way, they're not sending Daniel congratulatory notes. They're not happy about it. In fact, they're seething with jealousy and envy. And they're conspiring against him to trap him. But he's excellent. He's blameless. They can't find any way to trap Daniel. So they decide they've got an idea. They know that they follow, that Daniel follows his God. Maybe there's something in how he worships his God that they can trap him in. I want you to see what their plan was. I want you to go to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to pick it up in verse 6. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Here's what they come up with. Hey, king, we have an idea. And by the way, we're all in agreement, which we know that they at very least did not consult Daniel, so that's a lie. But they come um, say, we're all in agreement. What you need right now is a law that you need to sign into the into the law books that no one can pray to anyone but you for 30 days. Now, why would that be a law? And by the way, the king says, great idea. Let's sign that into law for 30 days. Why would he do that? Is he just a megalomaniac? Maybe. It might just be an ego thing. But there's probably something a little bit more nuanced here going on. He's recently, they've recently overtaken the Babylonians. There's all kinds of people groups that they're trying to unify. It probably has something to do with trying to bring um, solidification of power over the kingdom. Whatever it may be, he signs into law, no one can pray to anyone for 30 days but the king. And by the way, according to uh, the law of the Persians, once that's signed, even the king can't overturn it the king can't later say, hey, I changed my mind. Let's not do this anymore. This was a bad idea. Once he signs it, it's irrevocable. What the penalty is for praying to someone other than the king is to be thrown into the lion's den. The actual original word there for den is pit. So what they have there is a pit and they have put wild lions in there. And then they just throw you in if they want to execute you. This is Uh, Creative ways of executing people is very common in this time in history. The Assyrians did it. the, um, uh, The Babylonians, the Persians, the Romans, they find creative ways to execute people. And death by wild animal, unfortunately, is not uncommon. It was a common practice. So he has a pit of lions. Now, why did they connect that punishment with that crime? It's not random. It's not like, hey we've got this pit of lions, we've been wondering what to do with it. You know, here's an idea. It's not that. There's a specific reason why that, probably, why that punishment for this crime, the Persians used, and others in that time period, used the lion as a symbol. So, for example, archaeologists have found a seal of King Darius I, very possibly this exact king, But one of the Persian kings, they have found a seal. It's in the British Museum. Let me show you a picture of what this seal looks like. The seal is this cylinder right over here. You would roll it on like soft clay, and it would leave an insignia. It would be a seal. Now, let's just get a zoomed-in picture of this seal, of of, uh, this right here. That king in the chariot right there is King Darius I, scholars believe. And you can see he's, his chariot is trampling over a lion, and he is shooting a lion. This is a common type of imagery of a king defeating lions. And it's showing his power. Here's another uh, Persian relief. This is from the same dynasty, but maybe a little after Daniel. You can see on this side right here, you see a king, and this is a beast with that. It's a monster. It has the head of a lion. It has some kind of like dragon's tail and it has wings. But the king is getting the beast by the mane and stabbing it with a sword. This type of imagery is not uncommon for the ancient Persians. Here's what they're trying to communicate I have conquered chaos, I have conquered the beast, I conquer monsters. I tame lions. I kill them. That is the extent of my power. I defeat lions. So if a king has a pit of lions, it shows, look, these are my lions because that's what I do. But if you defy me, you will see how you do against lions. You will be consumed by them. It's, it's more going on here. It's not random. It's most likely trying to make a point about the power of the king. So no one can pray for 30 days to anyone but the king that is now an irrevocable law. What's Daniel going to do? Let's pick it up in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the doc- document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, "'O king!' Um, Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah. Pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Pause there with me. The moment Daniel hears that the law is signed, he goes home goes up to his upper room. The windows are already open towards Jerusalem and he kneels down to pray. The moment he does that, a death sentence is over his life. He's praying for the renewal of Jerusalem. Just as Solomon, almost uh, hundreds and hundreds of years before, had told them to do. Prayed towards Jerusalem for the renewal of Jerusalem. Of his city. And he wasn't being defiant. He wasn't like, oh, I'll show them. He was just doing what he'd always done. But he didn't just do it once. He did it throughout the entire day, three times, morning, noon, and night. The next day, his enemies who are conspiring against them, just seething with their jealousy, they come to the king. Hey, didn't you sign a law that can't be revoked? The king says, yes, of course, I signed the law. I can't change it, nothing we can do about it. Great, Daniel has been praying to his God and that moment, the king knew he had been tricked. He had been trapped and there was a death sentence over Daniel's life. And the king spends the entire part of that second day. He spends all that next day until evening time trying to figure out how can I rescue Daniel? What can I do to rescue him? The king is trying to rescue Daniel. Now watch that word. The word deliverance or rescue is a synonym for that word in the original language. It is all through this passage. The king is set to try and rescue him. Let's see what he can do. We're gonna pick it up in verse 15. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. The king knew there was nothing he could do for Daniel. The law was set, so he called Daniel, watched Daniel get marched to the pit, thrown into the pit, and all the king could do because he couldn't find a way. He had no power to rescue Daniel. All he could do is call down, may your God be able to rescue you, Daniel. And a big stone was rolled over the mouth of the pit. And then it was sealed. Very possibly, that exact seal that we just saw was put over that stone, or maybe one very similar. So look at, imagine being the king and that seal on top mocking how you did not have the power to rescue your beloved from the lions, he spends all that night fasting and worrying, can't eat, can't sleep, Verse 19, then at the break of day, the king rose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to deliver you, to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have, uh, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Wow. The king goes early in the morning. He spent all the second day trying to figure out how to rescue Daniel. He can't do it. Evening falls. Daniel gets marched thrown into the pit early the following morning. He rises and he runs to the pit. They roll the stone away. Daniel, did your God rescue you? And the voice of Daniel comes out of the pit. And the king realizes Daniel has been spared. He couldn't rescue him, but someone else could. And then he gets all the enemies and their families all of their descendants throws them into the pit and it uses this description every all of their bones were broken like so it wasn't that the lions were not hungry that day all of them their bones were broken they were destroyed now this is one of those moments where we hear that and we're like wow that i mean it's one thing for the men but their families, their descendants, this is one of those times where the Bible is not endorsing what this Persian king did. It's it's just describing what happened. In fact, the Old Testament law given to Moses forbid children getting punished for their father's sins. That was forbidden in the Old Testament law. But here's what the Persian king is doing, even though it's an injustice, by our standards and biblical standards here's what the king of persia is doing it is a complete and final defeat of the enemies it is all of their descendants they are cut off it is so final that no future generation in 20 30 years could come back and rise up and seek vengeance it is a final defeat of their enemies now one last few verses we're going to cover in just a second but There's not much we learn about what happened that night and early that morning on the third day with Daniel. There's not much that we know what happened. But man, I so badly one day when I'm in heaven and I run into Daniel, like I want to sit down, okay, and have a cup of coffee and say, could we just talk about what happened in the den that night? You know, and because it's heaven and there's like billions and trillions and zillions of years, you know, it's not just like, hey, can you carve out 30 minutes for me, Daniel? I know you're busy. He's got nowhere to go, so I'm going to corner him for like a decade, okay? We're going to have like a decade-long coffee meeting, and I'm going to sit there, and um, I'm going to be really fried after that with all the caffeine for 10 years. But anyway, I'm going to sit with him, and we're going to talk about it. And Because we don't have much. All we know that happened that night is that God sent and his angel. It's a very unique wording of that. He sent his angel, singular, down into the pit. And in the Old Testament, that word angel means like a messenger. He sends his messenger, and that individual stood by and shut the mouths of the lions. But God didn't leave him in the pit alone. Now, one last collection of, of verses, and we're gonna we'll pause with this story. Let's pick it up in verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and what's the word? He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. It's the king himself that sends a letter to the ends of his entire reign, which is the ends of the known world. It's equivalent to the ends of the earth in all directions, the four corners of the earth. He sends a message that is lifting up the God of Daniel saying he alone has the power to rescue. Let everyone tremble in fear. That's the, that's the ancient way of saying be awestruck before Almighty God, who is the one that has the power to rescue. Now, maybe you've heard the story of Daniel and Lyonsden before, but I want you just to think for a second. Who's the hero of the story? Because this whole story is about one fundamental question: Who has the power to rescue? And in the end, the king has to admit, he has no power to rescue. God shows him, you don't have the power over the beasts. You don't have power over the lions. Only one has the power to rescue, and it is the almighty God that all the ends of the earth should be awestruck before. Only God has the power to rescue. Daniel should be honored, but Daniel is not the hero of the story he was rescued from the pit. See, all of this story, just like the whole Bible is pointing to one great rescuer who is coming. The whole point of the Bible is to describe a great rescuer, the promised Messiah, the Son of God, God himself in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And this story of Daniel is to point to him, tell me if this sounds familiar, Jesus came to earth and was blameless And as he gained in popularity as a teacher of the word of God, the other spiritual leaders of the day were just seething with envy and jealousy, so they conspired a plot against him to trap him. But they couldn't trap him, so Jesus surrendered himself in obedience before a Gentile king condemning him to die. He died on a cross and was placed into a tomb. And they rolled a giant stone over the mouth of the tomb. And the king put a seal on that tomb. But on the morning of the third day, the stone was rolled away and Jesus came out of the tomb alive. He came out of the tomb alive and his followers wrote down the, the account of Jesus rising up out of the pit of death, having been the rescuer not of himself, but his death and resurrection rescues all of us, and they sent that message to the ends of the earth, their written account still circling the globe, that everyone might give their worship and their awe, that they might be awestruck of the God who can rescue. See, the whole point of Daniel is to point us to a great rescuer who is coming because there's one greater than Daniel. Because there's this theme that runs through the Bible. See, God's people are perpetually saved and spared from death. Noah is saved on the ark from the flood waters of judgment. Abraham is spared from sacrificing his own son. Israel is spared as death passes over them that they don't have to lose their firstborn. Moses leads them and they're spared as they walk through the Red Sea. David is spared from the wrath of the giant. Mordecai is spared from being hanged on a tree. Esther is spared, and her people are spared from the attack of their enemies. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is spared from the fires of the furnace. Daniel is spared from the mouth of the lion. But one distinct difference, Jesus Christ was not spared from death. He went into death, defeated it, conquered it, and came out alive so that we might be rescued. See, Christian, here's the point of this whole story. The whole point of your salvation is there is a rescue mission on your life. What does it mean to be saved? What it means to be saved is that you have been saved first from death. That when you die one day, which will happen, and none of us knows when, As your eyes dim to darkness here, they open up into an eternal light of eternity, more real and more alive than you ever fathomed in the presence of Almighty God. You're trapped deep in a suffocating cave, but He saved you from certain death, bringing you out to life. You're saved from not only death, but saved from sin. See, here's what, we know that there's King Jesus, the true lion of Judah, but do you know that there's an imitation beast, an imitation lion? Here's what the scripture says. It says that there is a, in First Peter, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Sin is not your freedom. The world is under the lie that sin and living your own life is the way to live life to the fullest as if it's it's your friend, as if it's your freedom, but it is a lie. It's snaring you, trapping you, ripping you apart like a lion. It's a lion let, let loose on this world, tearing people apart. It's Pride and selfishness and lust and greed that rips lives apart. And Jesus is saving you out of that snare, saving you out of the pit of the lion, saving you from your sins so you can live life and find freedom. Do you not know that salvation, what is salvation? It is a rescue of your life. Christian, please hear me. Salvation is not being more religious. I believe some of you are here or you're at Cooper City or you're watching online or you've caught this podcast. I think some of you are hearing this because in your mind you're thinking, you know what, I, I, I want to have a little more Christian religion in my life. Like I, I want to be well-rounded. So if I if I sprinkle a little more Jesus in my life, if I every now and then show up at church, if I pray a little bit, like I, I want to just keep that Jesus plate spinning in my life, that is religion. It will not, cannot save you. I think some of you think of salvation, you think of it like, Tradition or heritage, you say, look, my great-grandparents were Catholic, my my grandparents are Catholic, my parents are Catholic, I was confirmed Catholic, I walk in Catholic, it's my heritage. Or you say, look, I grew up in Sunday school as in a Christian church, my parents were Christian, and so now that I have kids, I want to make sure they've got a little Christian in them. Like, I, I need to make sure that they have that Christian foundation, as if Christianity, as if what it means to be saved is upholding a tradition or heritage in your life. That will not save you. Salvation is not a heritage or tradition. I think some are are maybe here or you're watching this or or you're over at Cooper City and you're saying, you know what, I need a little more spirituality because what I want is I want to live a good life. I want to live a successful life. I want things to go well for me. And so I've got coaching over here and I've got career coaching here and I've got doctors and the way I do health and and I want to be well-rounded. So if you have any spiritual tips for how to live my life well right now, please give me those spiritual tips because what I need is to dial up my spirituality. Please, spirituality cannot save you. Salvation is being rescued by Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. It is a work he did to come and save you. It's taking that and receiving that on faith that he saved you and you contributed nothing to your salvation. Even your response in faith is a gift from God. And in faith you respond to the to the rescue mission that Jesus Christ came to this world to give. And listen, aren't you glad it's not religion? Aren't you glad that you don't have to live under the, the tyranny and the terror of wondering if you've done enough Christian activities to be welcomed into heaven? Aren't you glad it's not religion? Aren't you glad that it's not a heritage? That it's not a dry, empty series of, of traditions and chores that you just have to uphold from generation to generation in all of their emptiness in order to have some kind of Christian heritage you pass on? Aren't you glad it's not spirituality? I think you're glad it's not spirituality because even if you have the best life you could possibly have now, then in 60, 70, 80, 90 years, it's all over and what then? If all you have is spirituality, it is empty. What's at stake is billions of years into eternity. That is what's at stake. Your soul needs to be rescued. What is at stake is so much more than an empty tradition. Don't you know it's deeply personal? He knows you. He loves you. He came to rescue you. Even if you were the only one in that cave, he would come to rescue you and give his life for that. Don't you know, Christian, it's not religion. Some say it's not religion or it's not a relationship, and I think that's a nod to the intimacy that happens. But it's not this open-ended relationship. Everyone has some kind of relationship with God. It's not just a, well, you're right, I should pray a little bit more and make God my buddy. It's It's more than just simply an ambiguous relationship. It's not religion. It is a rescue. That's what it is. It's not religion, it's a rescue. Jesus came and got you. And if he came and got you, it changes everything. If he came and got you, you've been rescued and you'll never recover from that. You've been rescued and there's nothing you wouldn't do for your savior because he came into the pit to get you and gave his life so you could find life. You're rescued. Here's the question this passage brings to us. There's been a great rescue mission, certain death. Jesus came down in the cave to get you. What part of that journey are you in? Some of you are like, look, I know that I'm rescued because I have Jesus. I know that's what he did, not what I do, what he did that saves me. Listen, Christian. If you've been rescued, now you're part of the rescue effort. The most important thing happening on planet Earth, regardless of what the news cycles say, the most important thing happening on planet Earth, it's the most important thing happening in our solar system, in our galaxy, in this universe, is a great rescue mission of Jesus Christ saving lost souls. You've been rescued to rescue. And there's a little city at the mouth of the cave. It's called his church. Find something to do and get busy doing something. Christian, if you're at Cooper City or at West Pines, I want you to grab this card. Grab this card. Go ahead and pick it up. It's in front of you, or it's the Get Connected card, or you got it when you came into Cooper City. If City Rev is your church home, it is a city set at the mouth of our city, and it is a rescue mission. Christian, if you do not have a place that you are actively a part of the rescue mission at your church, do not wait any longer. Find a place to serve. I want you to write down on the note, I want to serve, and I want you to put that in the giving box. We will contact you this week. Your leaders will contact you this week and help you find that space. Maybe you've served in a previous church. Maybe you've served at another time in your life. You're like, look, I'm just waiting for the perfect thing for me to serve and to use all my gifts. There's no time for that, Christian. Find a place. Get busy in the rescue effort. But not just waiting on Sunday or on Wednesday or whatever day of the week. Every day you're part of the rescue effort. You are the presence of Jesus Christ in your neighborhood. You're the presence of Jesus Christ where you work. You're the presence of Jesus where you in your family. Every day you're part of the rescue mission. It is the number one most important thing happening on planet Earth. But some of you are not sure that you've been rescued. I think there's some of you that are saying, "I'm I'm looking at all of these different Ways out and, I'm, and I've picked the Christian path out and I'm swimming and I can't make it. I'm trying and I'm trying. I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to be a good enough Christian and I'm trying to swim out. Christian, you will never make it if you're trying to do it on your own strength. Stop swimming. Let Jesus come to rescue you. You cannot do it on your own strength. You need his grace. Some of you, some of you say, I, I'm, I'm sitting back in the cave and the darkness is crowding in on my life. The air is getting thin and my outlook is is bleak. And in the dark, I, I can't see Jesus, but if you tell me he's emerging out of the water and he's coming to me with open arms, I'll jump into his arms. Would you take that step of faith today because he's waiting for you? Please take that step of faith. You may not have all the answers, Fall into the arms of Jesus and let him rescue you today. Don't wait another minute. Today is the day of your salvation and your rescue. Every follower of Christ, every mathetase, every disciple, there's one thing true of all of us it's not that we're trying to be religious, it's not that we're trying to be spiritual, it's not that we're up, upholding a tradition. It's just that we've been rescued by Jesus. Let me lead us in a prayer. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I think today is the day of salvation for someone. Is that you? You may have called yourself spiritual or religious, maybe even Christian, but today is where you just surrender to the rescue mission that Jesus comes in your life. You just got to take a step of faith. So here's what I want you to do: everyone, if you could, just bow your eye, bow your heads, and close your eyes. At Cooper City, too, at home, bow your head and close your eyes. This is a moment between you and Jesus. If you need to fall into the arms of your Rescuer, I want to lead you in a simple prayer, but I don't want you to ever forget this day. And So if today is your day with no one looking around, if today you want to take that step, that step of faith, and be rescued, be saved for all of eternity, here's what I want you to do, just quietly with no one looking, just slip your hand in the air and put it back down. Say, today I want to be saved, I want to be rescued, amen. Praise God. Praise God. At Cooper City, is that you? Don't miss this day. Take a step of faith. Anyone else, just slip your hand in the air. Say, today's the day I want to be saved. I want to be rescued by Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Let me lead you in a prayer. Make this your silent prayer to God. Just simply say this. Silently to him. He hears you. Jesus hears you. Jesus, thank you for coming to get me. Thank you for not leaving me behind. Thank you for the sacrifice you made to rescue me. I follow after you. You're my savior. I can't save myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if just then that was your prayer, if you are one of those that prayed that prayer, here's what I want you to do. Grab your cell phone. If you're watching online, grab your cell phone. Go to cityrev.org faith because we wanna mail you a Bible and we wanna encourage you on this journey. If you want a Bible today and you're here, you can fill out a Get Connected card and then just put that in one of the offering boxes or even better, take that to guest services. It's the table in the front lobby they'll celebrate with you and put a Bible in your hands. Uh, Let us celebrate with you today because this is a big moment and you're following after the Lion of Judah who is the sacrificial lamb. Church, we're going to close with a song and remember our great lion and the great sacrifice he made. And so we're going to sing this back to him. He's hearing us this morning, so let's sing to him. Would you stand with me as we close with this song? Thanks for listening.